The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, Draft. If you love fantasy baseball, then you need to try our new favorite app called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other people just like in your season-long league. Drafts last just for one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, you play for cold, hard cash and get paid out the next day. Drafts start from just $1, so there's a draft for everyone. Trust me, I love playing drafts. I play golf. I play NFL, basketball. You can play um, three. Uh, you can play head-to-head, three-man, six-man. There's, there's running leagues. You win one night. It keeps going for four, five, six nights. You can play a dream team. There's all kinds of great ways to play draft, and you can join me today. Just search draft in your app store or, or play right from your computer on draft.com. And when you enter promo code SD Sports. You got to enter the promo code SD Sports. You get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right. Playing a real money game for free just for using the promo code SD Sports when you make your first deposit. Just again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the promo code SD Sports. Now to this week's edition of Benched with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Bench with Bubba, episode 84. Going to recap this past weekend's MLB action and its relevance to your fantasy baseball lineups. In order to do so, joined by a special guest. You can check him out on Baseball HQ. He's on Twitter, at Brant Chester. Brant, how are we doing, man? Pretty well. How about you? Very, very good. I appreciate you joining me tonight. Um, it's going to be fun. We actually had real baseball to watch over the weekend. It's It's been pretty darn nice. Yes, it has been. Um, let's get into some, you know, everyone's concerned even through spring training, you know, pitchers velocity up, velocity down. Let's just talk about guys that had good weekends or bad weekends. Let's start with the good. 
Uh, you know, Noah Syndergaard went out there absolutely dealt on opening day. Uh, it's kind of what we expected. The velocity was was up there for a lot of the games. Do you ever have any concern with a guy like Noah Syndergaard's injury history and uh, his high velocity? I, I do have some concern. I mean, I don't have any shares this year, um, but I saw he was touching 98 this weekend. And with all the sliders that he throws, it, it concerns me a little bit. Yeah, no, that, that was my main concern. You know, he goes six innings. He uh, he gives up four runs, but he still he was he was very good. The, the runs kind of two homers, but all in all, got the job done. So I just want something I want to keep an eye on there. Let's talk about a guy that you you did so you dug on, dug in on in a pitch sequence. His teammate Jacob Degrom, who was absolutely electric in his first start of the year. What what'd you pick up on on Degrom? Um, on Degrom, he, he's talking two weeks ago how he wanted to throw more changeups. And he did. Um, he threw mostly four seamers, but then he threw 21 changeups, which was the second most um, compared to the fourth most used pitch last year. And seven uh, Ks, one walk. Hey, it um, wor- worked out pretty well. And all the balls in play on his changeup were grounders. So, yeah. Both well. Uh, it, it was very good to see because, you know, coming into the, uh, the spring, he had the back issues and you're wondering where he was. And he's kind of been the only reliable guy in that met rotation so if, like you said if he can work that uh, change up up more uh, that's going to be just a tremendous arsenal he can put together there so something sure. definitely keep an eye on indeed let's talk about a guy that was outstanding on Sunday in uh, Baltimore going the distance or nearly going the distance no he yeah he finished it out complete game shutout three hits six strikeouts against the Baltimore I was talking about Jose Barrios now some might you know wonder about Francisco's bump, but that's another story for another day. What's your uh, takeaway from Barrios here? Because, you know, A, you don't see a lot of complete game shutouts to start the season, and B, didn't see as much at all with him in the past. No, I was impressed. Um, unfortunately, um, I don't have any shares of him, but like 95 to 100, those are the 80, ADP coming into draft season. Owners have to be ecstatic after their first start and complete game. And I've seen some people saying he may have a Severino-like rise this year. Well, that, and that's a great comparison there because, you know, Jose Barrios is a guy that top prospect in the twin system forever, and he has never seemed to be able to put it together in the bigs. He was always really good in the minors. And uh, to see an opening day start like that has to leave the twins and their fantasy owners feeling very, very happy about things. For sure. <laughs> Let's talk about a guy. He's probably one of the most talked about fantasy players coming into the season. You know, is he going to bat? Is he going to hit? How the, each league is going to handle him? So on and so forth. Well, the hitting thing, we kind of we've tempered expectations on as of late. Pitching, he still looked great in the in the spring. He came out yesterday in Oakland and looks fantastic. We're talking Shohei Otani. Outside of one hanging slider to Chapman, who will make a lot of pitchers pay, was electric. What's your thoughts on Otani's first start? Yeah, besides the slider and a couple other pitches, I mean, for the most part, he was hitting his spots, which you like to see. And the velo was back up again. I mean, I saw him hitting 99. Um, so Otani, Otani owners have to be happy. And like you said, besides the Chapman mistake, um, he pitched well. Yeah, he pitched really well. It was weird because the first inning velocity was high, and the second inning when he gave up to homers, velocity was the lowest it was the whole game, and then he picked it back up. Went six strong, lots to like. There, he had that splitter, and it was just filthy, absolutely filthy. Uh, I heard he even hit triple digits a couple of times. So, things we didn't see a lot of in spring because they were worried about his velocity in spring. So that's very, very good to see. Let's talk Baltimore Orioles here. We won't talk about the bad till later. But Dylan Bundy, 
came out there through seven shutout innings against Minnesota, seven strikeouts. Absolutely great to see him starting off kind of where he, he finished the second half last year. Uh, what, what's your kind of expectations and thoughts on Bundy this year? Um, well, we at HQ, I mean, we're high on Bundy coming into the year and push him up a lot of draft boards. And um, it was ha- it was nice to see, you know, confirmation, um, a guy on the rise. And like you said, con- continuing that second half run. Yeah, because he definitely – he had a tail of two seasons last year and, and the, the strikeouts showed up late in the season. And that's the one thing I was really curious about because even in the first half he would be okay, but he wouldn't strike anybody out. The fact he was getting those strikeouts was great to see going forward. Uh, let's talk about another guy who had a good second half last year and he picked up six innings, six shutout innings. Uh, he did have five walks, kind of always an issue with him, but six strikeouts. Kyle Gibson of the Twins against that Baltimore Orioles team. Do you Are you a believer in uh, Kyle Gibson or are you just thinking, nah, I don't think so? Oh, man, I've been on that train ride before and it's not pretty. Um, yeah. I noticed that hitters had a 992 OPS against his four-seamer last year. And, uh, but on, in his first start, he looked good. I noticed that on his, um, four seamer, he was, he threw 32 of them, didn't get any swinging strikes, but he got a lot of infield pop-ups, like half of them mm. turned, stayed in the infield. So, I mean, that's safe if you're buying Kyle Gibson and then his, uh, curveball is his best weapon, obviously at 27% swinging strike rate. So. Yeah, no, he definitely had those working. And it, it's weird. Cause you know, going through the fab process on Sundays, I have him in a couple of deep leagues, just like last round picks, but he's on a ton of waiver wires right now. Um, is this a guy you'd be willing to go take a chance on? Um, in a 15-team mix? I mean, I, if I need a pitching, I'd throw a dart at him. Okay, but 15, 12 years, you probably sit there and wait a little longer. <laughs> yeah, what about you? Yeah, no, I'm with you. Like I said, I got him in the deep leagues late. Uh, I have him in some other kind of weirdish dynasty formats where I got him really cheap, but um, yeah, it's tough to kind of jump out there with all the options. It, it, it's one thing we talked about on my, one of my shows going into the season, the difference between a 12 team and a 15 team league is insane. Like the, the, the talent pool is, it's so much deep. Like it, it's just really weird. You, you draft the 12 team, uh, a 12 team league team, like, after you've done two or three 15 teams and you just, it's amazing what your team looks like. Well, yeah, it's like an all-star team. Yeah. You feel so much different <laughs> about your roster. You feel all grimy and dirty with your 15 team and then the 12 team. You're like, wow, that was fun. <laughs> but um, talk about fun. I was thinking it was Friday night. I tuned in Seattle's on TV on MLB network late at night and King Felix making another opening day start, and he looked like the King Felix of old. as close to what I've seen in a long time, five and a third, two hits, two walks, no runs, four strikeouts. He had his pitches working. He was changing speeds and location. I have a hard time buying into him this year. Are you are you able to take the, the jump on Felix for maybe one more hurrah, or is this kind of like, hey, he made it work tonight, but don't get your hopes up? Um, I'm with you on that. Uh, I mean, he had the curveball changeup working against the Indians. That's why I noticed he got good swing strike rate on both. But um, I know a couple guys on Twitter are high on Felix. He's like a four or five coming into the year. Um, he looked he looked better than that on Friday. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm not fully buying in. What about you? No, I. It's so hard. It's certain drafts when you fall fall far enough. I'd sit there and be like, okay, I'll give it a chance here because if worse comes to worse, I can drop them and you know make some moves. But 
I think he's pretty much picked in every league. He's not just sitting around on a waiver wire. So if you didn't get him in the draft, you're done. I'll keep my eye on him, but it's hard for me to see me like trading for him or anything. I hope he does. He's fun to watch, but I don't. Uh, it's hard to see. Yeah, it's good to see him as old self again. So. Yeah, because that that game, Viprock, like you know, you got Ichiro starting, you got Felix throwing great. It was you know the Mariners circa 2010 or yeah. something out there. <laughs> um, let's talk Jake Odorizzi, one of the big pieces the Twins picked up. Two Twins pitchers on on the good list. This is crazy. Um, <laughs> picked him up from the Rays. How times have changed. Picked him up from the Rays, yeah. and uh, if you follow Jason Collette, which I'm pretty sure you do, and most people on the list yeah. of the show do. He's a big pitching guru, and he's a big Rays guru. And he kept mentioning in Odorizzi's first start where he went six shutout innings, seven strikeouts, which for Odorizzi is insane. And one of the big reasons is he developed a curveball and used it a lot. Uh, that changed my mind. I picked him up in Fab this week in one of the leagues. What's your thoughts on Odorizzi this year? Um, I, I like him. Like like you, uh, I just I worry about those walks in the second half of last yeah. year. And if he can keep those walks down, I'm, I'm all over him, right? Um, that first pitch strike rate dipped a bit. If he could get back um, to where he was before, like mm, just under three walks and nine, instead of like three and a half. I mean, the second half was closer to five, I think 4.8. Um, so, yeah, with the walks, I'm all in. And in Minnesota, that division we talk about all offseason, uh, I like the most of the lineups they're going to face in the AL Central. Yeah, that, that's why I, I had my eye on Odorizzi. I didn't really pick him up anywhere because I, when I draft my pitchers, I like the K upside. And Odorizzi never really brought the K upside to the table. He's more of a contact guy kind of. To me, a little more K upside than like Lance Lane. So they're, they're very similar to other teammates, of course. But, um, you know, you mentioned the ballparks he pitches in, the lineups he faces. Those are all ideal. And, and seeing what he did there in a very tough ballpark in Camden Yards was outstanding. So – Definitely keeping an eye on that. And like I said, grab them once. Let's see if we can do it again. Let's talk about some rough pitching on uh, weekend. And, again, we're not going to hit on everybody on the good and the bad. There's tons of that. But let's talk about some standouts. The guy that was going around top of my head, 100th overall, 100 to 120 or so in most drafts, uh, Luis Castillo, young flamethrower for the Reds. Great season last year, as everybody knows. He struggled, giving up six runs in five innings, two homers. Did strike out six, which is great to see. I'm just going to say, hey, it was a rough start. He faced the Nationals in a tough ballpark. What's your thoughts on Castillo? The same. Um, the, the first, he was pounding the zone, like you said, led to six strikeouts. Velocity was down just a tick, um, about 96 overall, but that doesn't concern me. He was still getting ground balls um, and still getting swinging strikes. I'm all in on him. I think he just, yeah, faced a tough matchup. When you're um, you mentioned velocity down, it's going to be a theme with a lot of these guys coming up here. How does like the, the dip in velocity affect your fantasy outlook on these guys? Um, well, Mike Pot Poser of Fangraphs was talking about today, and uh, just it doesn't make me jump at or drop right away, but it does. You, you want to monitor it more within the first month, like okay. Is, is he going to work out, and is he having problems be- because of velocity? And uh, a guy like Zach Rinke, that's what I was watching on Saturday, so I was happy when, I, when he was hitting 90-91 and hitting different spots of the zone, uh, especially with the slider. Yeah, and Granky's one of those guys, even last year we got worried coming into the season and he figures it out. Some of these guys, they can make it work by just locating, like you said, with Granky. There's other guys that kind of could concern you a bit. 
Um, let's talk you, Darvish. The Cubs had some big boys. We're going to talk about a couple of them have rough weekends in Miami of all places. Yeah. Um, that lineup doesn't scare many AAA teams, but it got the Cubs. Four and a third innings pitched, five earned, only struck out four. What's your what? What do you think of uh, Darvish's opening weekend? Um, a little cautious uh, for what they paid him, and like you said, Miami of all places. I just didn't expect him. Um, we'll talk about one later, but him and Quintana together, you expect like both those guys to. I, I guess it was naive of me, but to pick up easy wins, right? No, I, I played him in DFS thinking, okay, they're worth the price. Like, yeah, they're going to rack up strikeouts, pick up a W, we're going to move on. Yeah. But his did not happen. Let's talk about a guy that got beat up, a uh, little home run derby in Kansas City on opening day. Matt Davidson hit three, Tim Anderson hit two. They're not all off of Duffy. Duffy only hit three of these. But five earned and four innings pitched. So basically the second time through the lineup, they jumped all over him. What's your thoughts on Duffy? Because I didn't – take any shares of them this year i was kind of concerned i'm like you i didn't take any and then after what we saw on opening day the velocity down like some of the others we talked about down to 91 and more fly balls even in a favorable park that doesn't play well yeah it doesn't play well at all uh and it's, it's one of those things if he gives up a few runs the offense isn't really going to be there with the, the royals either to help him out so not a good combo uh, we, we talked about Dylan Bundy pitching very well in his first start. Let's talk about the other side of this, Mr. Kevin Gossman. And we talked about guys having great second halves and carrying them over. Well, not Kevin Gossman. Uh, four earned, or four innings, six earned. He did strike out five, which is nice. But he had three home runs uh, to a Twins team, which, you know, not, they're not a bad offense by any means. It's Camden Yards. But it's like this is Kevin Gossman. Like, here we go again. The first half is rocky. Are we going to get a good second half? What? What are you going to do with Gossman? Because every year, I you said with uh, with Gibson, you know, same story, and you bought into it a few times. It's a rocky ride. I do it with Gossman every year. What, well, what's is it, is it, is it going to even out, or what are your thoughts on him? Oh, that's the narrative is first half, second half, like you said, right? Everybody yeah. over and over again, and whether it's luck based or not, he does have a five point oh six career first half ERA, and I think his second half ERA is about a run and a half lower. Um, I don't know if it takes him a while to warm up, but I, yeah, I was happy to see the K's were there, but the home runs in that park scare me. And then if I don't know, team context too, if the Orioles get too far behind, are they going to trade away some offense, especially Machado? And that, that's a great point right there is, you know, people are thinking of the now, what you have to do when you're playing fantasy, but a team like the Orioles, you know, a couple like a rough month or two next to, you know, Machado could be gone. They could be trading, you know, uh, Britain and Brock. There's a lot of pieces that could be Moss looks even worse for wear. So very good point there. Here's a guy I'm just taking it as a rough night, but John Gray, four innings pitch, six hits, three earned, uh, struck out four in Arizona. The humidor uh, was quite the joke over the weekend as a whole. Uh, I don't know if it was turned on or what was going on, <laughs> but the ball was still flying out of Arizona. And John Gray was one of the casualties. Didn't give up any homers, but did get hit around pretty hard. Uh, I, what are your thoughts on Gray? Because this guy looks pretty darn good overall. I, I like him coming into the year, and I was disappointed the humidor, humidor didn't have a bigger effect too because um, he gets ground balls, especially in Coors Field. I mean, they were in Arizona, but even at home, Gray makes the pitches to get ground, ground balls. So I, I like him. I don't 
I don't necessarily think he's going to jump to ace, but I think he can be a solid three. And that's the way I look at it. That's a great point, a solid three, because where he was getting drafted, you got him as your three, and he's like a solid three with upside. You know, He's one of the few guys that has proven so far he can pitch in Colorado. That's why I was kind of surprised by this start in Arizona, but maybe it's a – it's just a hiccup to start the season, hopefully, because I do have a few shares of him yeah, rolling hope. around. Let's hope so. Uh, another guy that had a this is this is a rough. This was a surprise. Carlos Martinez, four and a third, four earned. He walked six, striking out five, but he was walking the world. Um, what's your takeaways from Carlos? Because this has been a problem with him from time to time. When he loses control, it can get ugly quick. Uh, my first thought was a flashback to uh, New York last year, not against the Mets, but against the Yankees. Uh, when he had a ton of strikeouts and a ton of walks and it's like the same thing. Um, so it seems like he just gets in his head and he can't get him out of his own way at times, um, with, with all the walks and, uh, that slider out of the zone, it didn't seem like anybody was chasing it. Um, yeah. so he was, he was throwing a lot, but he couldn't get any bites on it. And then once again, his velo was down just a tick, uh, 94 and a half, um, but not, not too much, but yeah, the, the sliders out of the zone, I, I took a note of more than anything. No, that's a great point because that's a pitch he needs. That's a, that's a strikeout pitch for him. And if he's not locating that, you know, they say all pro hitters can hit a fastball. So there's only so much you can be able to do with that. So good good point there. James Paxton. Good old James Paxton. Talk about a guy that just makes you want him so bad, yet he disappoints you more often than not. Usually it's because of injury, though. Usually when he's healthy, he's dealing another – Rough start to the year for Mr. Paxton, giving up um, six earned and four and two-thirds, two home runs, four walks, not ideal. Uh, should we have any concern with James? Like, is he maybe just not going to heal properly and it's just going to be over, or what's the status on him? That's what I'm curious about. I know we don't put much weight on spring training stats, but he got hit hard in Arizona too. And, yes, it's Arizona, but then he returns back to Seattle, doesn't throw many first-pitch strikes. I mean, in the one star, so leads to four walks. I think it's 42% first-pitch strikes. And what's, what scared me more than anything was uh, the no whiffs on his curveball. He got 17% swinging strike in 2017. Once again, one game, but you got to get hitters swinging at that thing. Yeah, no, that's a that's a big picture, and that hammer's got to be working. And I guess the reason I was most concerned is the night before Felix goes out there and shuts the same offense down, and uh, you're thinking Paxton's going to walk right through this, and not close, not close at all. No. Uh, last guy we'll talk about here is we kind of already mentioned him again. Couldn't handle that potent Miami Marlins offense. Jose Quintana, six innings, six hits, six earned, four walks, and one of the things that got me only two strikeouts. That really stood out to me. Uh, I'm I'm actually – like most of these guys I'm not worried about. I'm kind of concerned about Quintana. What are your thoughts? Uh, me too. I don't have any shares, but the once again, Velo just down a tick, and like you said, no strikeouts, and the swinging strike rate just dropped tremendously in the first – and like against Miami, uh, only 5% swinging strike rate. So, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned uh, just enough to watch it in the next four or five weeks. Definitely. Let's talk about some of the hot bats to start the weekend. You got Matt Davidson, absolutely crushing. You know, three homers on opening day overall in the week. Only seven at bats, so four for seven, but uh, a lot to like there. We know he's not going to be an everyday guy, but, you know, definitely against lefties and occasional starts in a great ballpark. 
Is is Matt Davidson a guy you're looking to get? Because he was pretty much on every waiver wire going into the weekend. Yeah, I saw it picked up on a lot of leagues. Um, he he wasn't on my list, but if you need power, I say Adam. I mean, just playing around the low batting average, right? So if if your team's power deficient, pick him up. Definitely, um, Mitch Haniger of the Seattle Mariners. This is a guy that you know had a big year going last year, got banged up a bit. He's off to a hot start, already two home runs, hitting six twenty five, five for eight. So again, small sample, but he's getting on base. If you're an OBP guy, you're loving his seven twenty seven. Small sample size, but we saw what he could do last year before he got hurt. Power, some speed, um, kind of got overlooked in some drafts. What are you looking at with Mitch Haniger this year? He, he did. He fell, right? I like that power speed. I mean, he could give you t- low 20s home runs, right? And then maybe close yeah. to double-digit steals, if not high high single-digit steals. Yep. Yeah, definitely a lot to like there. Now, now one to su- that surprised the heck out of me this weekend because I didn't draft him anywhere. I honestly didn't think he'd be ready for opening day. Is Adam Eaton, who absolutely is on fire. He's the nas- named National League Player of the Week this uh, today. And coming off of a two-homer weekend, no steals, but I'm not seeing a lot of steals in his future. But eight for 13, seven runs scored, lead nationals. Um, what's your thoughts on Eaton? Because I didn't even see this coming. Um, me either. I mean, I like the the power-speed combo. Like, like you said, speed less than it used to be. Coming into the year, everybody knew, like, capable of, like, all right, maybe 15-15. But, wow, A, we'll talk about maybe later, but – moving Turner down to sixth and having Eaton hit leadoff and then Rendon next. And then Eaton goes on a tear with a lot of line drives and hard contact. Um, I know they're resting him tonight, so Turner's going to bat leadoff, but you got to like Eaton's start. Yeah, it's a great, great start. Uh, let's talk about a guy that you were talking to me about in our DMs, and he hit another home run today in his first home game in Milwaukee. He had a big weekend in San Diego, Lorenzo Kane. He uh, couldn't have had a better start to a new team. What are your thoughts on Locaine? Uh, he looks great. Um, if I know some people are like, oh, worn later in the season. If age gets to him, he wears out. But, yeah, right now, um, if you own shares of him, you got to be happy. And he's running. I mean, the Brewers lead the majors in, in stolen bases over the last couple of years, but it's always nice to see three bags in the first weekend. And uh, those doubles, too. Yeah, exactly, those doubles, too. So a lot to like there with Locaine. Uh, last guy I wanted to bring up, and like I said, we could bring up a ton of guys. But let's talk Xander Bogarts. Um, disappointing campaign last year, really disappointing. So young, and you figure there'd have to be some bounce back. All the reports were he was injured last year and all, playing really, really well. Off to a, a hot start with five doubles, going eight for seventeen. Um, what are you thinking this is a, a sign of a big season for Xander or just a good weekend? I think so. Everybody goes back to the July hit by pitch and how much it affected him in the second half last year, trying to play through it. And once again, just one weekend in Tampa, but it, it definitely looked like that was the case. Um, he was back to his quick handed self and turning all balls pretty easy and put him in the air in the gaps. Yeah, definitely. Definitely enjoyed what he did this weekend and hopefully it's a sign of things to come we take this brief break from bench with bubba to talk to you about roto wear it's one of the best quality shirts in the industry when i mean industry all the clothing industry the fantasy sports industry because people are rocking it they're loving it you're seeing it in a lot of big outlets now that no other brand 
can compete with RotoWire in terms of quality. They're premium blend fabric, super soft, comfortable, athletic fit shirts. They specialize with a special, special printing process. The design is part of the shirt. Literally, it is, it is dyed and bleached into the fabric. No thick ink. There's over 30 different designs right now. It's just crazy all the stuff they have coming out, and there's more and more stuff every time you turn your head. They have fantasy football, baseball, hockey, basketball, some really cool DFS ones, but everything's great. They have men's, women's, and kids. Check them all out. Go to rotoware.com, R-O-T-O-W-E-A-R.com. Check them out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Rotoware. But the cool part, guys, if you use the promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, you get 20% off your order. Again, promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S. Check their site out. Check them Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. They're always giving away free shirts. And then when you go to purchase the ones you want for you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, whatever, use promo code DEGENS, D-E-G-E-N-S, for 20% off your order. Now back to this week's episode of Bench with Bubba. Let's talk about a couple more things here. Uh, it's kind of storyline-based. Over the weekend, we saw a bunch of interesting lineups come out that you know we might not have put into play when we were planning our teams and one one that stood out to me we'll get to some base dealer guys here but uh just a quick thoughts on these chris davis leading off for the baltimore orioles you know maybe an obp league this is an even bigger impact but what does, does him leading off give you any more reason to to take a chance on him or are you just like you know what it's still chris davis and i don't want to deal with it uh well Everything has a price, right? If you can, yeah. if you can, if you're an OBP league, yeah. I mean, so it may help you out. Um, maybe you receive a few less ribbies right throughout the year um, with him leading off, but the power is real, right? You just got to plan f- around some of the batting average risk. No doubt about it. Let's talk about some of these base dealers. It seems to be one of the topics of conversation on Twitter throughout the weekend. You already hinted at Trey Turner. He's leading off tonight with Adam Eaton getting some rest. But, you know, Trey Turner playing uh, batting sixth to start the year. And honestly, you know, people are like, oh, it's just for a little while when Murphy's out. And I, I don't see why they'd move him. The lineup in front of him stay. Murphy takes Howie Kendrick's spot. I don't see how that changes anything. Um, Trey Turner batting sixth, how does that affect your – your thought on his value is return this season. Well, I, I wonder, especially if you took him at third or fourth overall, like how much is that going to cut into his steals, right? And, and yep. with a with a loaded lineup in front of him, if they're on base, is he going to lose a bunch of chances because of that? And Rendon's been hitting well out of the gate um, second, so it doesn't look like he's going to move down. So, yeah, I'm curious to see what he does tonight. I don't think they're going to take Eaton out of leadoff, but, I mean, yeah, he's going to lose some value, I think. Yeah, because I, I had him kind of as my third overall guy this year coming into the season thinking he's going to lead off, and I know it's risky because he hasn't shown he can play a full year, but to me is always the guy, if he's leading off playing a full season, he can be pretty darn towards the top of all your fantasy, your rankings and everything. But this, to me, is quite alarming, and I'm glad I somehow lucked out of not having to deal with that this year. Especially that um, price. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Cause like I got lucky. I was either second, it seemed like in every draft, or like twelfth or thirteenth. So I never had to worry about the Trey Turner conundrum. Never came into play. Um, Johnny VR came into play for me though, because I was huge on him last year, and that didn't work out so well as many know. But I figured where he's getting drafted now, kind of that everybody has a price thing you're talking about. I bought back in, and now he's already in a platoon. After all the talks about him playing regularly, he's platooning. Do you think? he's either a going to get out of the platoon or B um, 
is he worth hanging on to in a platoon? Does he still have that value? Uh, that's a good question because once again, it's all, all in his legs, like you said, right? If you got him at yeah. 230, 250 overall, speed dart throw. Um, and a 12 teamer, I'd probably say not, right? 15, you yeah. maybe wait a week or two, see if you can get some more ABs, see what happens. That's kind of what I'm thinking because, you know, we said it with low cane and stuff. The Brewers are going to run, and that's a beautiful thing. So if he plays four, maybe five games a week, well, we got a shot to at least get some value in a 15. And a 12, it's tough because that, that player pulls so much deeper there. Um, another guy, Byron Buxton, he's dropped down. He's bad in eighth now. We thought after that second half last year, he would he would skyrocket, and uh, people were jumping all over him. I don't have any shares this year, but I'm still a big fan of Buxton. This definitely cuts into his value, in my opinion. Uh, what are your thoughts on Buxton after just – I know like, all this is speculation because it's so early in the year, but these are some interesting changes. Yeah, they are. I mean, the same thing. Like, uh, how much does that cut his value? I'm not exactly sure, but do we see the 30, 35 stolen bases or more that everybody's predicting, not to mention 15, 20 homers? I know he got out to a slow start, but he did well yesterday, right? Yes. Yes, he did. I, I think – I think his numbers will be okay, but I think what everybody expected, top of the order, so you're going to get more at-bats, and it just makes him even better. Um, Billy Hamilton. Talk about a guy that everyone was high on. You know, he's one of those guys, like a Trey Turner, that you draft going, okay, I get him. I don't have to worry about stolen bases anymore. I pretty much have that figured out. Uh, if you draft the Billy Hamilton right about now, you can't be feeling too good about life. He's batting ninth and or not playing. He's getting platooned in the center field. That says a lot about um, the way they finally think about his offense. How concerned are you with Billy Hamilton? If I were a Hamilton owner, I would be very concerned. I mean, Brian Price obviously likes Winker, and who wouldn't? He has a better hit tool leading off than Hamilton, and you're not going to put a guy with a sub-300 on-base percentage leading off. I don't care how fast he is, right? Um, and, and I still wonder, there's rumored all the trade talks with Hamilton in an offseason – like, would they move him to somebody who needs a def defensive guy with speed? I'm, I'm not saying they would, but as long as he stays with the Reds, I'd, I'd be be concerned at the end of that lineup. Yeah, I, I'm concerned because I'm wondering if there's more to it. We, we know his offense isn't great. We get it. But it's one of those things. He's so darn fast. Like, just put the ball on the ground, work with them, figure something out. Do the opposite of launch angle <laughs> development. Like, figure something out with this guy. Um, and they tried trading him to the Giants in the offseason, my team. And that I was really all for it. And now I'm starting to think maybe we dodged a bullet here. <laughs> but um, last guy I want to ask you about is another speedster. Devastating news. The line of the Shields Jr. breaks his handmade bone, going to the DL for, I think, six to eight weeks. Big, big loss here. Um, how, if you just had to think off the top of your head here, how do you go about replacing that in your lineups? Oh, that's a good question because he's in our one of our main event teams um, in FBC, and it hurt. Uh, so I don't think we can replace him. We're just going to piecemeal together week by week, right? And look at look at matchups, and and it's it's hard to find that speed. And with all the helium that he had in March, I mean, you didn't pay cheap for him anymore either. Yeah, that's the thing. He's Definitely one of the biggest helium guys in, in baseball, you know, because you're on you're, your fingers on the pulse throughout the whole offseason. So you saw the, the change from, you know, 300s or later, and he ends up almost a what, top 120 come yeah, the 120, final weekend. 
Yeah. Yeah. It, it was crazy the jump yet because you know I'm talking to guys on podcasts like with Bloomfield and stuff going, okay, yeah, this is this is good, and this was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And and now it's like, well, there goes that sleeper idea. Yeah, 220. I was all over him, right? And then it kept, he exactly. kept going up in the last month. I'm like, whoa. Exactly. Totally agree there. Um, last kind of storyline here I want to mention, Gabe Kapler, if you're a Phillies fan around the world, uh, you can't be thrilled with the opening weekend, just tactics involved. Um, your bullpen might get used more than anybody in baseball, bringing guys in without warming them up to begin with. Um, <laughs> City Notabel Herrera, opening game. There's so many things that just confused. How do you approach the Phillies right now if you're a fantasy owner? Because, the, like, you know, got Nola and those guys getting pulled so early. You don't know who's going to start, even if it's a good matchup for them. It's an odd situation. It, it is very odd. And it, um, I'm in Pennsylvania for the next six months for the baseball season. And uh, the Philly fans are not happy. Let's put that just the, lightly. Um, <laughs> I've been called the worst manager when I'm fired. Um, when I saw Noah taking out of 68 pitches too and Freeman's coming up, like I understand third time in the order and you're worried analytics tell you this, but it's Aaron Nola. Exactly. Right. And he, he was dealing. And then after the game, Freddie Freeman says, we are so happy to see Noah leave the game. So that psychology on the other team, they were defeated. I mean, and yeah. he comes out and the Braves have new life. Uh, yeah, it, it made no sense, the NOLA one. Like, if you want to tell me, okay, Ben Lively, sure, go for it. That makes all yeah. the sense in the world. But uh, this made no sense. And I think it was a, the Friday night game or whatever I'm watching, and he's not even doing righty-lefty matchups. He's bringing in things that don't make sense when it comes to the – like, it was just really, really strange watching Kapler's first weekend. A um, couple of last questions I have for you just based on some things we were talking about. With the – Big first week in the waiver wires taken care of. Maybe to some their second weekend because you know you're in your NFBCs and you're you're ahead of the game last week in tech things. How do you approach kind of? And I asked Justin Mason this on the last pod. How do you approach this early season? You know, hot starts. You only have so much money in Fab. How do you approach spending money? Balance. Uh, of course, each each team's a little different, right? So if. Yeah. Um, if you got five injuries and you had the rash of injuries at catcher, I mean, unfortunately, you're, you're fabbing two catchers and then maybe a bullpen guy if you had Melanson. I mean, so you, you may chunk down. I mean, Hunter Strickland was going for $300 or more fab in a, in a $1,000 fab league, but 30% of your fab budget, I mean, or more. Yeah, I, I got him in the Great Fantasy Invitational. I fabbed him because I, I am a Melanson owner. And I had another reliever that I kind of looked for for just innings, not saves. He went down. So I went all in. I went 25%. I went 250 and I got him. But I saw some leagues in, all, in that league, uh, he went higher. I was listening to the Rotowire podcast today, and I think it was Jeff Erickson saying he went from 750-ish in an NFPC main event league. Wow. I was like, okay, <laughs> wow. made, me, made me feel a lot better about my 250 because I felt bad going for that. But I'm like, I need this badly right now. Like, I need this. 750, I wouldn't have been able to sleep. No. Because <laughs> you're so hamstrung now for the rest of the year. At least I saw 75% of my budget. I can finagle things. Like, crazy. Yeah, I don't uh, – but going back to I don't like to save all to the end because then you yeah. need players now. So, once again, don't spend it all now, but balance it out through because you know injuries are going to continue happening. Well, and that's one of my biggest reasons why I – 
kind of at least to make myself feel better justified spending the big money. If I spend more now, at least I get a full season, barring an injury. If I have to spend that 250 in September, I get like three weeks. And to me, that's a big difference, given you never know how it affects your team until the end. We get all that. But I, I got to speculate. I hate doing it on closers, for one, though. I hate doing it on closers because that always changes. But um, we'll, we'll leave it at that. What do you have uh, coming up, or what are you working on these days over at Baseball HQ? Uh, daily matchups, uh, so DFS stuff on Fridays, and then on Tuesdays, American League facts flukes, um, which I'll tweet out about tomorrow again, just looking for names. So giving a deeper dive into five guys every week, and uh, tomorrow's column will look at like Josh Tomlins and Aletmus Diaz's of the world. No, and that's why I love uh, Baseball HQ puts out – a lot of great stuff. There's a lot, like I always tell you, there's a lot of great sites. It just depends. You know, everyone's got a taste for their own thing. But I like kind of the angle a lot of your guys use uh, to write their articles and do their things. So it's a great, great product. Remember to check out Brant on Twitter at Brant Chester and all his work over at Baseball HQ. Brant, it's been a privilege, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Good yeah, luck. No problem. Season. You as well. And we will all, we'll be chatting like we usually do. But um, until then, everybody, Bench with Bubba, episode 84 in the books. Catch you guys next time.